0: Hello, this is Nathan Ray, and this is my friend, Brendan Letty.
1: Brendan, how do we know each other? We met about three years ago, almost, at the World Water Park. First day of initiation. Yeah, I think it was actually two
0: years ago, uh, 2019. We're recording this in 2021. Oh, okay. Almost. 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 This is our first time recording a podcast together, right? We've never, ever recorded a podcast no, Before.
1: no veiled audios, no technical difficulties. Involved. No totally missed opportunity of talking about police brutality. At a political
0: time in history. Yeah, that we just, we didn't <laughs> totally miss out on the opportunity to talk about because of those technical difficulties. But luckily, we can now talk with each other for the first time, and it'll be okay. This conversation will be okay.
1: From what you remember of our first meeting, what was your first impression of me? I thought you were extremely different for the fact that you were so talkative and so energetic to a bunch of random strangers that you did not know at all. You were so friendly and so open and you wanted to know everybody's name. And I thought that was super cool. A little weird just because it's not normal, but I thought it was super cool. And that's why I thought we were going to get along. That's interesting. The reason why I was doing that at the time was because
0: before working at the water park, I kept on getting fired from certain jobs, working in retail, working in other industries. And I felt like part of the reason why I kept getting fired from those jobs was because I wasn't making enough personal connections with my coworkers. And so I figured, all right, I want this job to stick because if I don't have this job, then I'm forced into
1: bankruptcy well you're an extremely likable guy so keep that up and it'll get you far uh i'm kind of a divisive guy even within the water park if people are up for open conversation and like hearing other people's opinions which actually isn't extremely common today yeah they can get along with you super easily i think yeah
0: maybe I think for myself, the first impression I had of you was that you just weren't going to be important in my social life. Before meeting you, I've had Native friends before, but you're just so different from me. You're like, you come from this lower class, ghetto background. You were talking about smoking weed and getting high and all the girls that you were dating. And I come from this very conservative Christian background Where my parents, if you and I had been going to high school together, they probably
1: would have advised me to stay far, far away. Stay far, far away from you. Yeah. You know, I don't think your parents were the only ones who would have said that. Yeah. But I think
0: like, I don't know, we just kept on talking with each other. Maybe it was because we knew each other from the
1: orientation. I was very shy going into that. Yeah. I had just had about six months of just isolation out in Elliott Lake. And I was coming back, living with one friend that I knew from before and not talking to anybody. So I was super in my own bubble. Yeah. So you coming over and talking to me and you wanting to have conversations with me, making me open up, it, it definitely helped me a lot. It helped me talk to other people at the water park. It helped me talk to people that you were talking to at the water park. And it honestly did make things more enjoyable having you as a friend. Yeah. I looked forward to our bus rides. Absolutely. I think one
0: of the interesting things that happened as a result of our friendship is that I was fairly open about what was going on in my life. You were fairly open about what was going on in your life. I don't know if you want to get into any detail about what was going on during that time with your family and your own work situation. But for myself, I was always talking about, okay, I need to focus on saving money. I need to focus on my faith and... The relationships that I have in talking to people about my faith. And I think that just after I ended up leaving the water park. Sad day. (laughs) Very sad.
1: (laughs) Very, very sad and terrible. When I heard the news, I was so upset, bro. I heard, oh man, I heard from multiple people who've watched it happen. So everybody's like, did you see Nathan get in a fight with that tattooed dad? And I was like, excuse me, who did what now? My friend Nathan? And everybody's like, yeah, yo, he got in a fight with a dude at Blue Bullet. And I was like, oh my goodness, well, what happened to him? I don't know, he's in the office right now. And that was the last
0: time that I saw the dude at the water park. Until the very next day when I decided to return and say goodbye to
1: all of the people that I worked with. Oh, that's right. You did just come little, little petty, but I like it. I figured, hey, like... You got the right.
0: Yeah, I have these free tickets. I can come into the water park. I know that the janitorial staff will provide me with some free food. And so I figured that the best way to, you know, stick it to the boss was to go back to the water park and do it without having to pay a single cent. I like it. But in the aftermath of that, just watching what was going on in your life, I think there was a particular call that you and I had where you were talking about how you had found religion through looking at
1: random verses on Instagram, out of all things. Yeah, a lot of random quotes by different people in history, a lot of Bible verses just out of context. But it was like I was meant to see it, you know? Yeah. It was like exactly what I was reading was the exact situation I was in, and it was the exact advice I needed to be given. Anything that particularly comes to mind? Um, If only I could remember the verse. You probably will remember it or know it, but it's um, the pain you are feeling today cannot compare to the glory that you will be feeling tomorrow. Romans eight eighteen. I consider
0: that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will who subjected it. And hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to the cave and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God.
1: I got the Instagram short. <laughs> <laughs> But still an amazing message. No, uh, 1000%. And when I thought about what was going on in my life, and when I thought about, you know, what I've already overcome in my life, I could do it. And if I just put my head down, and you know, I had a goal, and I set out to finish it, I could get somewhere like this. Yeah, you, like you have an amazing apartment
0: now. And I think... I remember when you went back to Elliott Lake for about a year and then you came back and you had about $30,000 in savings Mm -hmm. and coming from the person that I knew at the water park, who once you got your paycheck, you'd go out and you'd buy a $300 t-shirt and I would just shake my head and just wonder like, what the frick are you doing, man? Yeah. But like now that I've seen you grow and develop and mature in that way, and you're not going out and spending your money on things like expensive t-shirts or hardcore drugs, unless it's marijuana, I think I can look at you and be genuinely proud that not only, not only am I seeing this kind of improvement in your life,
1: but I'm also realizing that I had a role to play in that. 1 million percent. If it wasn't for you, and if it wasn't for Lewis at the water park, If it wasn't for Adar at the water park, I would have quit. I didn't want to be there. And I thought everybody disliked me. I had this anxiety that people were watching me all the time. Even the other native people? Even the other native people. Oh, Kuda. Oh, I'm going to miss Kuda. He didn't last long, but he was a good guy. And so, building up to ask you, how do you think God has been working in your life as of late? Well... I got the chance to start again, you know, and I thought I only had that once, but I was able to come back to Edmonton with a group of friends that love and support me. I was able to come back to a girlfriend who's extremely supportive of everything that I do. I was able to leave my dad in a way where we weren't hurt and we weren't crying. We were both just extremely proud of each other. And a year ago today, I was not in that spot. I was so hurt. And I was so upset and I was so ready to just give up on everything that I was working towards and these Bible verses and these quotes and these, these everyday subliminal messaging that I was seeing, it really got me through and it seemed so small, but that was my kind of therapeutic help. And, you know, if it wasn't for, I guess my faith to just keep going, keep believing that there was a high, like more to life than what I was experiencing right then and there, I guess honestly, I wouldn't have kept trying at all. I would have just stopped.
0: That sounds good. For myself, I think what I have to say is a little more specific. This past week hasn't really been a good week for me. I haven't had a single day where I've been able to sleep well over the past week. I've taken a few stumbles in regards to my journey to try and move away from my porn addiction. And there's a part of me that feels like I'm not making enough progress that at this point in my life, I should be doing better. But then there was a specific moment within the last week. There's a friend of mine by the name of Stu. He's a young adult pastor here in Edmonton. Shout out, Stu. (laughs) Hey, Stu. He's a young adult pastor here in Edmonton. He and I have been friends for the last five years, and we've had a very... I want to say unconventional friendship because for a lot of that time, I not only wasn't going to the same church as him, but he had also taken it upon himself to remove me from a Bible study that I was attending at the time. And yet, for some reason, in spite of that conflict being present in our lives, our friendship has grown and strengthened in a lot of ways since then to the point where he said that he knows me a lot better than most of the other people are under his pastoral care.
1: That's good. Yeah. That's good to have somebody like that. Who's into the same things as you, who you can relate to on a lot more than just a life kind of level. Yeah. Um, Recently he made an announcement that he and his family
0: were moving back down to California. He'd been living there for some time before coming to Edmonton. And now he was making a return journey home. And when I heard the announcement, I immediately messaged him and said, hey, look, I want to meet you in person at least one more time. Do you mind if we get together and have another meal with each other for old time's sake? He said, yes. We had breakfast at Denny's, just talked about how last year of our lives had gone. I spoke about things like getting my driver's license, and paying for the first year of my college tuition in full without having to take on student loans.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I got the impression, and he said this to me himself, but, like, I knew that I was a different and better person than the one who Stu initially met way back in 2016. And I think this was solidified at the end when, before whenever we were eating a meal together, he would always pay for the meal. And for this one particular meal, I got to pay for it. And it was like, I know it's not a whole lot and I still had to pay for a pretty expensive breakfast, but at the same time, it it still felt like an achievement. Yeah, it was good to do. Yeah, and I I think that shows, I guess, promise for the rest of my life in that even though there are going to be times when it, it just doesn't feel like I've made a lot of progress, I can still look back on my life for the long term and know that i am still a better person today than i was years ago
1: and that's really the goal right is to just try to be better than you were yesterday yeah nobody's on this specific route the specific path that you know you have steps that you need to follow everybody's got you know their own stuff going on everybody has setbacks but as long as you have got that that vision to stay looking forward stuff works yeah um Now that we're
0: talking about progress, if we might transition to the main topic at hand. Lately, within the last couple of months, there have been a number of graves that have uh, been uncovered near the sites of former residential schools. It's caused a lot of outrage among the Canadian population. Those graves are still being discovered. A lot of people have chosen to voice their displeasure in a variety of different ways from writing angry posts on Facebook to tearing down statues and burning down churches and seeing how you are half native. I kind of wanted to get your take
1: on how you felt about the whole situation. Well, if you would have asked me this a couple months ago, I would have been extremely enraged. I would have been very hyper when it came to this topic and I would have had a lot to say. But at this point, It's about two months now since the first discovery was made. I'm a little numb to it. It's extremely disheartening. It's sad to watch every single school that they dig up, they find something. It's not a one out of four situation. It's not a two out of 10. It's coming up to eight out of eight. And I have no doubt that it will continue with that same pattern. In terms of what the government's doing about it, I appreciate Justin Trudeau's effort to try to get close with the Aboriginal people. But there was promises that he made prior to his election, prior to his election that still haven't been fulfilled, that he still hasn't made any efforts to fulfill. And I think he should more focus on that, because those are the problems that Aboriginal people, Indigenous people wanted fixed the most. What kind of problems are you referring to? clean drinking water issues on numerous reserves, dozens of reserves haven't had drinking water in decades, whole generations of people have had to drink out of bottled water and boiled water their entire lives. The lack of development on a lot of reserves, you know, it's hard to get out of a situation when it's all that you know, when you're brought up in a situation where everybody's doing drugs, everybody's drinking alcohol. It's really easy for someone who's never experienced that to say, well, just don't do it. But it's hard. It's what looks right. It's what looks normal. And I believe that if there was more funding put into recreational centers, schools, on reserves, a lot of youth and a lot of young people would move away from things like that and get into more healthy activities. In terms of the damages to the properties, let's start with the statues. Yeah. I completely agree with the conversation that we were having prior to this, that there's a lot of statues that resemble people who don't need to be idolized, but there's a lot of statues of people around the country that symbolize people that, you know, help build the country into what it is today. They might've had some ideas and some racial values, but there's ways where we can change The symbolism of the monument but not completely erase what it means taking away the monuments at grandin station for example yeah like there was this mural that was covered up of the residential schools and they covered it up with uh i think there was just like an orange sheet there's a special word for what the color means though reconciliation reconciliation that's the color for that so i think that's amazing Changing it to government center, you know, because that's really what it, all it needs to be known as. I think that's amazing. I think that's a perfect way that the governments have decided to honor what's going on and actually take action into trying to make a difference and trying to show people that they want better. I think that the residential schools need to be searched faster. I think that the government needs to give all full rights to search every property because, there really isn't a reason not to. There's reason to believe that there's more bodies and there's more evidence to uncover to show that this was a large-scale genocide and it needs to be talked about worldwide. People need to be held accountable. If that's the Christian church, if that's the Canadian Christian church, if that's people who are still alive today who worked on these properties and helped, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Somebody needs to be held accountable. Now, personally, when I watched The Pope get all that hatred i felt one of two things i felt like he didn't address it properly but i felt like it's also not his fault directly right yeah he was not the pope who was not at all and if he would have been things would have been different right that's what you want to believe and there's no 100 saying that that would have been different but you know someone needs to be held accountable but people who just believe in a religion do not right So burning down these churches, I believe is not a good idea. People have had birthdays, weddings, anniversaries, gatherings, you know, memories at these churches. Yeah, and what
0: I've noticed about the locations of those churches is that those churches are actually servicing Native communities who are willingly partaking in this religion. And I think it creates its own complicated
1: situation. From what I've heard, In the Indigenous community, it's the older generation who really doesn't know too much better. They don't know too much different. You know, it was a very conservative time in Canada. A lot of people were going to church. There was a lot of Catholic schools. And it was the generation right after the residential school kids, right? So what I've heard is it's my generation who's kind of switching on this different mindset that the Catholic Church on reserves is evil. And from what I've seen, that's not at all the case. It was. At one point, there was a whole lot of evil going on, like despicable things. But that's not today. The government is to be held responsible 100%. They need to do everything and anything they can to make this better because they've known about it for a long time. And they've spent millions upon hundreds of millions of dollars in court to try to fight ever, you know, making sure this comes up. And that's so wrong. Why would they do that, right? So that's kind of really my take. I want change. I want better. I want things to be done. But the way things are going on right now and the way they're being done, it's not going to change anything for us as a people. It's not going to make anything better for us as a people at all. It's not really going to give you what you want and what you actually need. We want peace. We want to feel like our land will be respected. And we want better services. Exactly. And there was a big point in history where people went, no we don't want any help. We don't want any anything. This is, this is our land. Get the hell off. And that's just not today, right? We all want to be, as one people, we all want to be Canadians. We're such a multiculturalized country that it doesn't matter if you're black, white, yellow, purple, blue, you're Canadian. And I think that's also what our generation is about to achieve, is a great, great unity. And I believe the next generation will be even stronger and I believe this is a changing point for a lot of people, what a lot of people have been waiting a long time to see, but we just got to do it correctly. Without burning down. Without, without burning down anything. And vandalizing property. In terms of, if we can just rewind time a little bit, in terms of the George Floyd protests, I had a different opinion on that. Okay. Sometimes when the government will not react, it's been shown in history Sometimes you got to make a little noise so the big dogs hear you. You know what I'm saying? Maybe people went a little extreme, but that target in wherever it was that denied the riders milk because they got pepper sprayed, like you saw a lot of police brutality throughout that. A lot of hotheads just unleashing their pepper spray because they could. Who knows what the situation was, but to deny people a painkiller when they're just screaming in pain that's some kind of wrong you know that person deserved that <laughs> stories Gosh, okay i don't know if i fully mean that but i hope you don't mean that no i believe that all those people should have stole all the milk i mean that with the deepest depths of my heart but for this whole target to get burned down like who knows who's working there you know Single mom who's working paycheck to paycheck and now paycheck is over. Come on, you know, and it definitely probably happened. So for now, for me, I don't want to see I don't want to see anything but constructive damage. Tearing down a couple of statues in a controlled setting that don't need to be there for sure. Slapping some red paint all over the government's doors. We'll clean it up, burning down property that a lot of people have 100 years of memories in. So, I want to
0: sort of go back over some points that you were talking about, and I want to be able to give my own response okay. on them. First of all, I definitely agree that Native people should be getting more services, like just a better quality of life than what they have. I think one of the issues for that, though, I was on a group call on Thursday. And one of the participants of that call was a school teacher who works up in northern Ontario on a reserve. Okay. And she was talking about how the people there, they're not getting access to adequate education. It stops off at grade A level. They're not getting access to adequate health care. They have maybe
1: one general store. They don't really have any food markets. And that's the case for a lot of people, a lot of reservations. And I
0: remember the question was asked in that discussion of why don't people just leave the land? Why don't they go to a better place like Toronto or Hamilton or Windsor? And the answer that was given was that because these people, like, if they leave the land that has been designated for them, then they forfeit the right to that land. And it's sort of the situation of We might have really crappy land,
1: but it's our land. And a lot of it's been taken. Yeah. There was a whole lot more that used to be there, but wasn't being used. And that's the issue a lot of the times when it comes to like the pipeline or other kind of construction. It's because nobody's using it and the government just finds a way to justify it.
0: And I think like in the case of a reserve like that, where it's up north, the land might not be as good winters are probably going to be harsher up there it's probably even more the case over in the territories and looking at how parliament divvies up its members based on provinces and territories ontario obviously has the largest amount of representation because it has the highest population but i think each of the territories get only like what one mp each and Like Even if they were to all band together and say, we're going to get what we need for the territories, like they probably need to get involved in a greater coalition if they want to get Mm -hmm. what they need. But obviously, that's not always going to work out. And so this is one of those situations where it's like, wow, this is a really terrible situation. I wish that the government could step in and make things better for these people who are living out in the middle of nowhere. And we can talk about systemic injustice all we want, but this is sort of baked into the system where the places with the least amount of people living in their land, they're going to get the least amount of representation in parliament. And the question is, well, if the government isn't going to pay attention to these people, you mentioned earlier about making noise. uh, Do we do that? Do we engage in other fundraising activities do we set up our own charities
1: i would donate to a charity and going back to what you just said with people wanting to stay on their land yeah that's sometimes not the case at all sometimes people come into town and they put up posters for big money jobs and people say who cares i got a family now i need to support my kid they're offering 26 dollars an hour i'm gonna go do that and i'm gonna go live in the city i'm gonna go live in a big town because you know what is there to support me here? Nobody's going to support me here. And people just do decide to leave. Yeah. My dad wanted to raise me in the little town of Elliott Lake and help me with whatever is going to happen. He keeps thinking there's some big boom going to come and 100,000 people are going to move there. But I'm a city boy and that's just my lifestyle. There's probably a whole lot of other kids that are like that. You know, they move to the city for a little bit to go to school and their parents try to get them to go back and they don't want to. Yeah. I think there are certainly opportunities, but like, I don't know,
0: most of them are government opportunities and you kind of need that one lucky shot. You're not always going to get that lucky shot. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I have to wonder, like, what is the solution to this? And I guess that's part of why I'm bringing you on the show is like, what do you see as solutions to this that doesn't involve hurting other people more
1: yeah it's a big question right because this has just been pushed on for so long and hasn't been looked at where you know if they would have tried to do something about this so many years ago maybe it would have been a little bit easier so many there have been a lot of other people there to help with jobs or water treatment plants and yada 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 But I forget who said it, but it was a press conference and somebody said if there was a water crisis issue in Toronto, the water got poisoned and nobody could drink out of their taps. The government wouldn't think about how much money is this going to cost because Toronto's out of clean water now. They need to do it, right? And then there's the case of some reserves who have a population of 400 people and these 99-year-old cookums have never seen clean drinking water. They have lakes all around them. They still can't drink because all the land around them is contaminated. It's hard and it's rough. And it's the big question right now on everybody's mind is, what do you do, though? And I wish I could give you a straight answer. What I'd like to see personally is just at least something, you know? Start with a couple. Start with the top 10 who are having it the worst. Okay, well, do you know what those communities might be? I'm not 100%... Take an educated guess. Formed, uh, I'd, I'd say definitely in the territories. We're definitely looking at the Yukon and Nunavut because, you know, their grocery prices are through the roof because they don't have enough. There's a lot of communities that I see in Ontario that are just not doing the best. I hear, like, around Montreal, it's just systemic racism so high there for Aboriginal people or Indigenous people. And, because they don't speak French? Probably. If I had the money, I could make some calls, give a couple emails out. Who's doing the worst? Who can I help? I'd do it. But I'm not in charge of that money. Yeah. I'm not in charge of all that. And maybe it's because we have a government who has different priorities right now. Things might shift. Things might change. And who knows what it will do for the country. But Canada historically has done pretty well for itself. Economically, even politically. People love us. Yeah. Now we've got to fix what's going on in here. Yeah, We don't have to worry about our image to the other countries. Let's worry about what's going on with our own people. So two questions I have in response to that. First of all, I mentioned earlier that
0: you had about $30,000 in savings. Okay. Obviously, you don't have that right now. No, sir. But if you were to ever reach that amount of money again, do you think that you would want to invest it in, I don't know, maybe starting
1: up your own charity maybe sending it to people you trust. You know what I do want to do? I actually, me and my friend, Michael Badger, we have a charity that we do want to start up. And it would be small time at first, maybe even self-funded, where we want to put together a thousand lunches for every weekend for a full summer. We want to go to different areas of the city. We just want to help out. If it's not lunches, if it's first aid packs, if it's hydration kits, if it's an apple and a sandwich for the morning, you know, we just want to go around. And when we give out these lunches, we just want to give somebody a chance to talk.
0: And so this wouldn't be specifically targeting homeless people. It would just, like, it it might be homeless people. It might just be lower income people.
1: It might just be that kid on the bus who looks like he's hungry. We just want people who look like they're having a rough day to feel like they got one person today that's going to hear them out fully, you know, that's going to give them that chance to just explain themselves. And we're super on the line about recording it or not, because we do want to raise awareness for homelessness and how a lot of these guys out there, a lot of these girls out there, they're not out there because they're like a drug addicts. They're not out there because they threw their lives away. It's because sometimes some really rough stuff happens and you lose everything. And it's really hard to get back on your feet when you have nothing. We want to start that chain of positive thinking towards other people who might be having a negative day. And if that starts with homeless people, then that is the route we will go. But if we can get bigger and have people, you know, joining and doing their own thing on one side of the city just for the day because they want to and doing it around their area for the cause, then that's the ultimate goal, spreading it as far wide as we could. And if I got another $30,000 dropped on me, I would do some pretty, pretty big things with it for sure. Okay. So I guess the question that I have is like, are, are you
0: intentionally trying to start small? You're not going to be saying, I want to go out and provide clean water for people on the reserve because that's too
1: expensive of a project or because I don't understand the mechanics behind it. It might be a little bit of both, actually. Saying that second part, yeah, I feel a lot closer to that community I grew up in it. Not homeless, but pretty dang close. I feel like that's who I've always wanted to help. From even before I found pride in being Indigenous, I've always wanted to help the smaller guy. And I want to start small to show people that it just takes a start. You know, you flick a little rock down a hill and it could become a snowball. Would you want to partner up with other inner city outreach? Oh, Boys and Girls Club, Bissell Center, the Mustard Seed, Hope Mission, the Food Bank. I would be down to partner with anybody who could help me help them help us. Makes sense. If we can help them and they can help us and we're helping other people, who's losing right? No one that I can think of.
0: <laughs> Two more things that I want to say. First of all, you were talking earlier about the Catholic Church sort of needing to take responsibility and how on one hand, you, you kind of felt a little frustrated that they haven't been responding the way that you want them to. But at the same time, you also recognize that the Pope who is in office right now is not the same Pope who was in office back then. I remember reading an article which dissected the psychology behind it, and it said that for the Catholic Church, they want to take all of the credit for any positive contributions that they've made towards society. But when it comes to negative contributions, then they'd rather just to shift the focus from the church itself to the individual's that have perpetrated all this negativity in the world.
1: But that's a big history in the Catholic Church, is it not? Yeah, yeah. We can look back to Roman times, some messed up stuff happened. But it's the exact same example. Was that the church today? Was that people's faith today? But at the same time, for example, if you want to
0: go into a group that you're associated with, I'm pretty sure that for your tribe, the Cree tribe, I don't know, would they go and take a look at their history and say that there's some sort of negative thing that happened way back when? Would the tribal leaders say, yes, the Cree tribe was responsible for this particular incident? Or would they just say, well, they were just some random wackos who were
1: part of our tribe and we had nothing to do with it? Honestly, I do think that they would take responsibility. There's a lot of history out there that's taught. There was Mohawk, Ojibwe, Cree, Blackfoot warriors who were basically like hitmen from every reserve. And, you know, when a group of dudes on some horses or in some carriages would go by, they'd loot them for all their stuff and skin them. And just for anger, just for anger purpose, because something happened that we'll never know. So I do not think it's a one-way street at all. I definitely think that there was definitely some rape and some pillaging and some gross stuff on both sides. But you got to remember, everybody had a reason for what they did. You could be angry. Like, there's a lot of white people of British heritage that believe that everything that they did here was for the greater good. And so dear- we were a bunch of savage animals, didn't know nothing. And when they came here, they taught us how to eat with our mouths And you know, taught us how to wipe our bums and that they saved us. I don't believe that at all. But do I believe that a lot of the technology that they brought and a lot of the knowledge that they brought and a lot of the good that was taught between both societies, like developed into what I love to be Canada today? Yes, 100%. And also, I
0: think for as uncomfortable as it might be to admit this, if the settlers hadn't come and if there hadn't been this interaction, obviously, I think we wish that. I could have been less bloody and with a lot less conflict, but you are the product of a native mother and a white father. 100%. And that wouldn't have happened unless people had come over from Europe over to Canada. And you and I, we wouldn't have met each other. At all. I probably would have just been living back in Ireland if I was even born in Ireland. Who knows? Multiverse stuff. Yeah, multiverse stuff. The things that we could speculate about how things could have gone. One more thing I want to touch on. I think earlier you and I were talking and you mentioned how in public school, you and your friends, you hadn't really been taught about these things. The residential
1: schools, all of the atrocities that were going on. Yeah, maybe because I went to a Catholic school from kindergarten to grade 12. But a lot of my friends went to public schools. Yeah. And I definitely heard about residential schools and I definitely heard about, you know, the 60s scoop and things like that. But I was never taught, ever. Not that I can remember that people were ripped from their families by gunpoint by the RCMP. And that the RCMP was made to help in the capturing and moving of Aboriginal kids. I didn't learn any of that until I grew up and I started going to museums and I started doing my own research and That stuff definitely needs to be taught in school, but for a lot of people that I know, it wasn't. And that's why people are so uneducated on a lot of stuff that's going on today.
0: Yeah. When I moved back to Canada for one of my final years of high school in social studies, I ended up doing a project on the residential school system. Really? Uh, Yeah. And it was like, it was one of the most depressing things I ever researched on. It it was like... It's like doing a project on the Holocaust and being in Germany. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But in the aftermath of that, as much as I felt horrible, that this was something that had happened in my home country, I think I was able to reach a point of peace where I didn't really have to feel guilty about it. Because like, first of all, it was in the past. Secondly, I don't know if any of my ancestors have engaged in these atrocities and knowing the character of, of, at the very least, people from my dad's side of the family. It seems very unlikely. What is
1: your heritage again?
0: My heritage is
1: Irish English on my father's side and French on my mother's side. From what I know, the Irish people have done nothing but help the Aboriginal people in Canada and the United States for years, repeatedly, when... The Spanish flu first hit the Navajo Nation, they sent them six hundred dollars, which would have been the equivalent to like sixteen thousand, seventeen thousand dollars then. Yeah. And when the pandemic first hit, the same people, the same town or whatever it was, same government sent the Navajo Nation like seventy thousand face masks, so much hand you know what I mean? So from what I know, nah, I don't think so. I think you're good. But
0: regardless, like I also felt like it wasn't worth it to dwell on the past and that it was probably better just to focus on the future and doing what I could to. Because we know
1: it's not going to repeat.
0: Hopefully it doesn't.
1: We know that things are changing. So for people today who maybe if you grew up with a bit of a racist past, maybe if you grew up with some racial ideologies, maybe they weren't, you know, self-taught. Maybe they were passed down to you by your parents your grandparents whatever it was I don't think anybody has a reason to feel guilty nowadays if you're willing to put in the time to learn and listen and do what we're doing right now and just not be racist exactly like some people they don't even know what that means you know they think just not saying the n-word just not you know making fun of asian people by squinting their eyes but certain jokes certain things it's just their friends blah 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 but you've got to start acting like that's not cool, you know? What you do behind closed doors is kind of like your deepest you, right? Yeah.
0: Who you really are is what you are in the dark. Do you think it's ever a good idea to engage in racial humor? Like me being self-deprecating about being a white guy, you being self-deprecating about being a Native guy? Oh, for sure. I think... Us sort
1: of engaging in that banter. I think dark humor is the safest way to feel better because you're just laughing at yourself nobody can hurt you when you're laughing at yourself right yeah so if you're with a guy like me and you i've never seen us ever not get along when we're just having conversations like this so if people could just do this and get along without thinking about things like that thinking about gender (laughs) thinking about race if we're just two dudes thinking about how inherently i just thought about gender <laughs> if Thinking about how inherently racist we are to each other. It's fine. It's safe because you know it's healthy. Yeah. But if you can learn the difference to keep that right there and never ever bring it up unless someone else is comfortable with it, then it's okay.
0: And I think there's also the added benefit that you and I we know each other, we've known each other for about two years now. I know nothing you say to me is malicious. Yeah. And so like, I don't know, maybe if I'd made a joke about natives getting high on drugs during our first meeting maybe that would have
1: set things off on the wrong foot for sure but nine months ten months in you make a joke about like oh you going to get high with your cousin I don't think I would have been mad I think I would have made a joke like for sure want to come you know what I'm saying and I would have said no yeah it's all about timing it's all about comfortability it's all about knowing the person that you're having this kind of conversation with if they're not okay with, you know, like me, I'm super vocal about this stuff. Everywhere I go, I'm talking about this. So if some random white dude I didn't know came up and started making in my face, I'm going to get mad. But if you did some mock powwow dance in my room to a random song. Or if I came over to your house wearing a Native American headdress. Oh, I don't think our friendship could go anywhere. <laughs> that even for me, yo. I didn't really know the meaning behind that. The first time my mom gave me my first eagle feather was one of the most magical moments of my life. Felt like I was getting initiated into being Aboriginal. It's amazing. Do you still have that stuffed eagle? Yes, I do, but it's at my mom's house. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap things up? I'm really glad that we got to have this conversation because it's definitely the first time that we planned it. You're a good dude. I'm glad that I got to just get all this out and just have a good, calm conversation. Always down for another conversation on Native rights. Yeah. Always down for another conversation on inner city life. Anything you need, you know you got me.
0: Yeah.
1: And hopefully we can maybe watch some Invincible after this is done. Invincible. Can't wait for season two and three, both confirmed. If you haven't seen Invincible, make sure you check it out. And if you like Invincible... Maybe watch The Boys. And if you like The Boys, yeah, I like you. (laughs) And maybe watch The Walking Dead? Yo, I stopped watching The Walking Dead after the prison. Okay. Is it good after that? I don't know. Whoa. I stopped watching
0: it after halfway through season two. But anyways, see you guys later. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray with special guest, Brendan Letty. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us, and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.